Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM's Breakfast Show. You're here with Lyle and Mon. And I'm about to hit you with another clue for our Who Am I quiz. Bit of a difficult one this today, I'm not going to lie. It's not going to be an easy peasy one. It's Wednesday. I don't know why that's significant, but Wednesday doesn't seem like a day to have an easy quiz. Okay, clue number four. I was the commander of Saul's army. If you know who that is, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Okay, so I, I, got this, I, I got this one on the second clue, clue, but I will say that it is it is an obscure one. Yeah. Actually, the next – that's probably the last good clue. The next clue is just like what the name begins with, the letter of the name, mm-hmm. which always means it's like the scraping of the barrel kind of a clue. So if you and I can come up with some sort of homegrown organic clues, we probably should – Okay, so here's a here's a here's a homegrown organic organic clue for you. Go on, go right, on. So, um, I I, uh, I knew somebody once who named their child this name because uh-huh. it's actually a really cool name. It is a pretty cool and name. quite masculine, very masculine. Um, and uh, but they were not biblically literate, and so when they named their child this name, we refrained from um, mentioning that the Bible says that this particular person died a fool's death. Ooh. So there's a clue. Someone who died, who the Bible says died a fool's death. It's funny when people name their babies names out of the Bible. And, and they don't actually know yeah. <laughs> any I didn't, of the history. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong, even if you know the history. This It's a great name. It's but there's just this stigma. There's stigma. <laughs> there's a kind of stigma to this one. You know, I did, terrible, one, I, did, I did one year of a teaching degree many, many moons ago. And during my prac teaching, I had a, <laughs> had a classroom that had a Jezebel in it. <laughs> Oh really? I've never. I've never. And Jezebel she was the is a, sweetest little kid, but and it's the it's a beautiful name. It is. It is a beautiful name. Jezebel sounds very nice, but ooh, such connotation. Oh mercy! Fancy living with that. Yeah, I had a Jezebel and I had a rainbow. Okay. Yeah, and, uh-huh. they, were, and they were friends, Jezebel and Rainbow. It was hilarious. Uh, in, in, in the school that I grew up in, um, we had, and, and this, mind you, this is a school that years one through six, right? So it's primary school, years one through six, we averaged while I was there between eight and 12 students. Oh. <laughs> That's a teeny tiny so school. So it's a teeny tiny school, one teacher school, just the most awesome, bestest school ever to grow up in. <laughs> but we had a sky. Oh, yeah. A sunshine. Wow. Because she was born in the middle of the day. Uh-huh. And then her sister, who was born in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, no. Was called Moonshine. Moonshine. Sunshine. Are you serious? Oh, dead serious. Are you Moonshine. Yeah, they were, they were alternative, um, yeah, hippie kind of people. Moonshine. Sunshine's cool. Moonshine, not so much. <laughs> so I mean, all the some, connotations some between con- alcohol and your backside on that one is pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> one they call it moonlight or, uh, or midnight. It, okay, maybe it might have been moonlight. I can't remember now, but I know that the first Mid- part of it was moon, which because we all just called yeah. it moony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had sunny and moony and sky. <laughs> and it was—I oh, mean, they were great terrible. kids. It was the best, and they came from a great family, and uh-huh. you know, they're all hippies. And they should have called it midnight. It'd been a lot safer. There's kind of connotations there as well, you know. Not as not as nearly as as many or as obvious ones as anything to do with the moon. I nearly gave the I nearly gave the quiz away. It yeah. was on the tip of my tongue. I nearly gave it away right I knew there. It. I knew it. I knew it. Talking about homemade quizzes, quiz clues. Oh, no, nah, it's a good name. I think that it's a very masculine name, and uh, I think that it would suit a um, suit somebody quite well. But um, 
<clears throat> See, it's a pity. I really like the name Athaliah, but she's she's a baddie in the Bible. Yeah, she's too. up there with Jezebel. Yeah, yeah, which is a bummer because I really I really like it. I, for a while there, I was thinking about oh, but it's not like a hugely popular story. Like it's not. Like you do you do come across the masculine version of it occasionally, which is Athel. Athel. Oh, okay. Oh. There's a few Athels around. Yeah, I was one of my teachers was an Athel, but in high school, yeah. Athel Grossi, great mm-hmm. guy. Everyone yeah. loved him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that was the masculine version of it. You, you, do, you do know that you finished high school now. You don't need to be, you know, trying to get good marks again. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good teacher either which way. I didn't, didn't, yeah. I'm not buttering him out. But hey, Lyle, we should probably remind our audience that our show is going to Africa. I'm so I excited about this. We're heading over to Africa and we're taking you with us, of course. We are heading off at the, uh, at the end of January and we'll be over there for two months. Um, and uh, we'll be broadcasting from Kenya, South Africa, and Ethiopia. So we're going to be doing a couple of different mission trips over in Africa. And uh, we want you to come with us. We want you to be part of the trip, part of the experience. Um, so if you would like to to do that, give us a call here. We do have information on how you could be a volunteer if you literally want to come with us. Or if you just want to help us out um, by donating, you can um, call 1-800-FAITH-FM or head to kenyahealth.org because we are we are trying to raise about $6,000 for medical supplies because um, uh, we'll be doing a pop-up medical clinic and um, and so we need our supplies for the people, you know, medications and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Let's get into our Bible study for the day. <coughs> this is the 20 Million Movement and we are studying about unity and this week we are studying about disunity. Are we going to be talking about uh, Onisimas again? Oh, look at Mongo. Listen to Mongo with Mm -hmm. the, with the correct pronunciation Uh there. Yeah. Thank you to, uh, to Veronica who called up yesterday with her Greek background and she taught us that onesimus was not the way to say it. Yes. Definitely not. I kind of knew that was the wrong way. I was like, I have (laughs) no It was a fun way to say it. (laughs) Although Onisimus is quite fun. Onisimus. And actually it was quite, it was quite interesting because uh, after the show, um, we did have one of our listeners text in, uh, Lynn Radcliffe, um, who texted in something that we missed, something pretty obvious. And, you know, she was just saying, now, yeah, that was just really very good. profound, very profound. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the story of, of Onesimus and Paul pleading with Philemon for Onesimus's life, even though Onesimus deserved to die, he had broken the law and he, you know, he was guilty and Paul was interceding for him. He's a type <coughs> of Christ. Yeah, he was. And, and Lynn pointed out, do you know what? It, it, Paul was kind of like Jesus, you know, pleading for our lives in this, in this role. And we're like, wow, that's so profound. Yeah, because <laughs> Jesus goes to the Father, this is my son, this yeah. is my daughter. Yeah, because Paul says. Accept him as my son and my daughter. That's exactly what Paul said about Onesimus. You know, he said, you know, accept him as my son. You know, I see him as my son. He's, a, you know, I'm close to him. And, and, and totally vouches for him, just the way that Jesus vouches for us. It's very profound. I'm going to preach a sermon on this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> come, come to Maitland Church this, this uh, Saturday. I might preach on it. Actually, no, I'm preaching on something else. I'm preaching on Revelation, chapter Ooh, 5. Preaching. Yeah, there you go. There's a free shout-out for uh, Maitland. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, this Saturday. Uh, come and join us. And if Love you have there. any thoughts about our Bible studies, um, you know, obviously, like just yesterday, we <laughs> pretty missed one of the better <laughs> lesson um, object lessons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give if us you, a text. If, like, if, if we if we're getting too sidetracked here and missing the obvious, then uh, text us in like Lynn did, and uh, we'll discuss that on air. So our number, our texting number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and let's read verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There's a number of verse 2s yeah, there, but yeah. we'll go with chapter the one that's one. in chapter 1. <laughs> the first verse 2. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I am writing to God's church in Corinth. Okay, stop right there. Mm-hmm. So who is Paul writing to? 
God's Church in Corinth. Are you sure it's God's Church in Corinth? Yes, it says it right there. Like, oh, why would it be anything different? Let's uh, continue on. Okay, so no, actually, we are sure. We are absolutely <laughs> sure that it is God's church. Now, read for me, verse ten. Verse ten says, if I can find it, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church; rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, this is interesting. We noted yesterday that when Paul writes a letter, he begins by, you know... Laying it on thick. Laying it on thick. And this was the first century... um, This was how letters were written in the first century. Yeah. When I say he's laying it on thick, I'm not saying he's being disingenuous and trying to maneuver and manipulate. I think he was just genuinely being being polite, according to his culture. Yeah. He was writing... Any any letter that you get from the first century is going to have that same format. Mm -hmm. However, in 1 Corinthians, yeah, he lays it on thick for all of uh, about nine verses. That's all. And then he launches in. And he's like, you know... I am praying that you guys can get your act together, that there be no divisions amongst you, that you be perfectly united together. There's a fairly strong implication there that this is a divided church, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go to chapter 3 and verse 3. 3 and verse 3. One page over. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 3 says, For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Okay, so if you are controlled by your sinful nature and you are living like a person of the world, uh, are you converted or unconverted? That's pretty unconverted. That's pretty unconverted behavior right Uh there, isn't it? And Paul is... Is um, yeah okay. So he has a reputation for laying it on thick. Well, he's certainly laying it on thick right here when he comes out and says says to this church, "Okay, you guys, the whole bunch of you, all of you, the the, the lot of you, you're all unconverted." Yeah, cut the niceties right off. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so this is a church that's deeply divided from one end to the other. They're all unconverted. They're all in trouble. And Paul writes a very strong letter to them. To the first Corinthians is almost like a little bit of a, a slap around the face. Like, guys, wake up, get it together. Mm-hmm. You, you know, let's go over to let, let, let's find out. You know, what, what we're going to do is we're going to touch on just some of the issues in the church in Corinth. Okay. We don't have time to touch on them all. We're going to hit a few highlights. Is that how many there is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have no idea. Just get, just, um, uh, here's your homework for today, this evening. Sit down and read 1 Corinthians, uh, from one end to the other. It won't take you that long. It's only about 15 chapters and you will get a picture of a church that is in deep, deep trouble. But at the same time, you have some of the most sublime passages of scripture, um, found, you know, anywhere in the Bible that are within this, uh, the, the context of this uh, this this epistle that Paul is is putting out here. Yeah, fifteen short chapters, by the way. Like, yeah, that's I'm look, right. Absolutely. I'm looking at my page right now. And there's one, two, three, four, five chapters on the one page. So yeah, until, it's only you, f- until you get to chapter fifteen. Fifteen's a bit longer, but fifteen's worth it. 15, uh, yeah, this is true. This mm. is true. Fifteen is uh, oh, how long is fifteen? Fifteen. You've got uh, nearly sixty verses there. Yeah, but most That's, of them are ranged about yeah, like 10 no, the rest to 20 more. verses. Okay, so. chapter 6 and – sorry, chapter 5 and verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. 
You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be in mourning and, sh- and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Ooh, that's okay, so that's a bit gross. That's a bit perverted right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yours says, um, yeah, anyway. Stepmother, mine isn't quite as specific as that, just his father's wife. Ooh, gross. Okay, so this is this is um, somebody who is living in sin. This is somebody who's not married to this person. This is mm-hmm. somebody who should not be married to this person. Um, if you're going to have an affair, that's probably the worst place to have an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is openly reported in the church. This is open sin. This is not like the person is hiding in any way, shape, or form. It makes it so much worse when they're just so blatant and audacious about it, isn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. It really, really does. And Paul's like, guys, you need to do something about this. You need to act. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just accepting the person, you need to actually, you know, speak up and do something. Yeah. All right, chapter 6 and verse 6. They've got, okay, so this church is deeply divided. Uh, how are they going to solve their divisions? How have they been trying to solve their divisions? Have they been trying to solve their divisions by taking them to God? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. It says, uh, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Okay. <laughs> all right, so they're taking all they're taking their church disputes to court, airing it all out. So you get in a fight with a uh, fellow believer at church, and like, right, that's it. See you, See in, you court. in court. Yeah, you know. And of course, they take it down to the court. You can imagine what the courts are going to say when they come, you know, come to them with a church dispute. You know, this is a church that's fighting over, you know, all of these kinds of issues, and the courts are going to just shake their heads like, you guys are a bunch of losers. You'd be quite repulsed. You would not be attracted to that church. You would not be attracted to that religion. Yeah, that's, in any yeah, way, exactly, shape, or form. Exactly. All right. So what we can do? We skip over. Let me see. Chapter eight. That's all about problems with. Chapter 7 is all about problems in family relationships. Chapter 8 is about things offered to idols. <laughs> Chap- this church chapter- has so much problem. Chapter 10 and 11, you've got speaking in tongues, problems over speaking in tongues. Um, chapter 14 is problems over um, apostleship. I mean, how far do you want me to go? Why don't we read, um, let's read here in chapter 12, actually. No, chapter 11. Chapter 11, and why don't you read for me verse 21? This actually relates to something that we had in Q of the D yesterday, question of the day. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's Mm -hmm. stop here for a moment. Mm -hmm. This is talking about at church. Oh, really? And this is not talking about fellowship lunch. Because if you read the context, notice what the context is in verse 24. 24 says, Give thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body for which I've given. Oh, this is the communion service. This is the communion service. Are they like gobbling up the communi- communion service? <laughs> They're holding the communion service, pigging out, other people go hungry, using alcohol, getting drunk in church in a worship service. It's pretty disgraceful. This is beyond disgraceful. This is a church that you would just hang your head in shame. In fact, I've seen some really, really dysfunctional churches. I've never seen anything this dis- this dysfunctional in my life. It's pretty nasty if you think about it. Yeah. Like it's like communion is, is about symbolism, not about having a snack in church. <laughs> well, the whole point of communion is, you know, the whole point of communion is that, you know, he that is is uh, is your Lord, let him be your servant. Mm. You know, where, you, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet and he takes the lowest position. 
You know, and this is the example that Jesus is setting for all of us to take the lowest position, not the highest, to be last, mm. not first. And they're having the communion service and everybody's rushing down there to, you know, gobble up all the communion bread as you, um, I like that word, gobble. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, and then get drunk on the communion wine. It's funny to think because I think a lot of people who you know who are listening who have been involved in communion services, gobble is not really a word they would ever associate with that ceremony. <laughs> no, our culture today we do do it differently to very I'm sure what they did uh, back. Well, no, I'm sure they did it very reverently back then as well in most churches. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it, was, I, it it seems to me that it was also associated with fellowship lunch, which would be really nice. More mm-hmm. like a what we would call within our faith culture an agape feast. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you'd have an agape feast on a regular basis rather than uh, you know the, the more simple communion service, which is um, highly symbolic, mm-hmm. has a small amount of bread and a small amount of grape juice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, let's go down to, let me see here, why don't we read verse 12. Verse 12 says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? Hmm. Yes. So here you've got people preaching there's no resurrection of the dead. Even though they're saying Christ rose from the dead, it's kind of contradictory. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is no resurrection? The, the basis of Christianity is the resurrection mm-hmm. of the dead. That's the foundation. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is why, you know, in the previous verses, Paul has gone to such great lengths to give evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's like, he's got a church here that doesn't believe in the resurrection. It's mind blowing. You know, they have imbibed Greek philosophy and made it a part of their church. And as a result of that, they're preaching this new theology that there is no resurrection of the dead. To some point, it's almost like, why even bother? Like, if you can't believe the fundamental beliefs, why why do you even come? Like, why are you even subscribed? And yet, mm-hmm. and yet, Paul calls this church the church of, of God. God, mind boggling. <laughs> this is okay. So, if you are in a church that is messed up. And if you're a part of a church that is deeply divided all over the place, that does not mean that it is not the church of God. Mm. Uh, The church of God is not defined by what the church is practicing. It is defined by the message that was entrusted to the church. And the message that was entrusted to this church was a good message, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, um, it was a pure message. It was a message that was given to them by Paul. And so, you know, if you're going to judge a church, and, of course, we all need to judge churches because we all need to choose a church, you don't judge it based on how many problems there are in it. You don't even judge it based on what the members are saying. You judge it based on the message that was entrusted to that church. That's right. Uh, Because the reality is we should expect problems in God's church. Absolutely. If you ever find a perfect church, whatever you do, don't join it. You know why? Why? Because you'll mess it up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a human being. Lyle. No, the most messed up thing about the Christian church is that I'm a member and you're a member, Mon, and we are humans and we are weak, failing uh, sinners who are all in need of the grace of God. And it's a little bit like going to a hospital. Have you ever gone to a hospital where which is full of people and none of them are sick. 
No, never. That would be such a weird experience. See, that's not called a hospital. That's called a hotel. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? You change the name, you change the spelling when there are no sick people there because it has a different function. Okay, Mm -hmm. if you want to go to the hospital where there is no sick people, it is called the hotel. The Bible says in my father's house are many rooms and there is one that he has prepared just for you and that's in heaven and that will be perfect. But right now we're going to have Jane Lady. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jaden Lavick with Amazing Grace here on Faith FM and uh, yeah, a different take on Amazing Grace. Yeah, I love nice. that album actually um, since working here, I just really like Jaden Lavick's movie. I actually um, purchased that entire album which is a rare move on my part. I hardly ever purchase music. 
But let me give you another clue for our quiz, Lyle. Yes. This is the last clue, unless we come up with any more homegrown clues. My name begins with the letter A. Okay. Mm. The letter A. A for... Who was starting... Whose name started with the letter A and... Died a fool's death. Oh, by the way, if you win, we're going to send you a copy of a really big book. It's just enormous. Look at the size of this book. It's, it's like bigger huge. Than, bigger than an A4. It's called A Defense of the Bible by Dr. Gary J. Baxter. This is really interesting. Yeah. I think I'd like to read that myself. Yeah, well, it's a prize, so you can't have it. Hmm. A Defense of the Bible is yeah, it's huge. And but it's got, I got it on the second it's clue. It's full color as well. Second clue, Mon. Yeah, whatever, smarty pants. So it's a full color book, uh, lots of diagrams, pictures, uh, photo paper, beautiful, colorful uh, diagrams. It's just just absolutely fascinating. So yeah, an entire defense of the Bible. So if you've ever wondered about uh, the validity of the Bible, this book will solidify some things for you. So give us a call if you know the answer to our quiz. Of course, if you wanted to go back and listen to all the clues again, just jump on our Instagram, Faith FM Live, and watch our Insta story. And you'll see all the clues there again. Absolutely fantastic. All right, very good. And of course, um, we were talking earlier um, to Mark Spencer from Australian Christian Schools. Yes. Um, and he was talking to us about the religious liberty issues that are taking place in Parliament right now as we speak. And this is this is a reminder to um, to be in, to, to be praying about that today. Yeah, a bit of a stressful day for us. It, it, it is for, for all Christians. Yeah. You know, it it has the potential, as he pointed out. And I'm going to be talking to Mark Snedden a little bit later. Hopefully, be able to bring you that interview today or um, later this week. Um, to get a uh, he, he's a lawyer to get a legal opinion on the legislation, but it seems that it could be illegal to have the Ten Commandments um, on display in your school. It's just ridiculous. It's this. This is Australia we're talking about, and that could happen today. So we need to be. The pra- legislation has actually been put before the Senate today. We're going to be praying for that really yes. hard today. Um, but there's also something else we can do, isn't there? Yeah, all right. Um, if you'd like to uh, get more information, call our Religious Liberty Department. And here is the number, 03-9871-7555. And talk to Michael Worker. He's the uh, person in charge of Religious Liberty down there. He can keep you appraised of uh, the events as they take place and give you advice as to what you can actually do. Yeah, and do you know what? If yeah, if you want, if you want to see our church get more involved, get in the ring and and throw their hat in and actually do something advocate about this, then give their number a call as well and encourage them to do more and um and ask how you can get involved. Of course, the number again is zero three nine eight seven one seven triple five. Uh, give us a call here if you want to. I think the big lesson that comes out of this is that um you know we're told the last movements will be rapid ones. Mm. This has happened so rapidly; it's caught me off guard. Yeah, you know, normally you would expect something this big to, to be, you know, a, a seven or eight month campaign in the lead up to it. Lots of debate in Parliament, um, but they restricted the debate on Monday to two hours. They restricted it today to five hours, um, with a deadline for the vote. And as a result of that, you know, they're just they're just they're just ramming it through. Mm. You know, and, and and this is something that snuck on up on us, and we sort of started to get hints about it. A uh, a week or so ago, and it was almost it was almost when we started to get hints about it, it was almost in the realm of conspiracy theory. It's yeah. like, yeah, really, but no. Yeah, it's absolutely frightening. 
It's just frightening how, and, and, and the fact now, that no one in, in, in big media, like none of the newspapers or media exactly. are saying anything about it. No one's talking about it. It's, it's not being reported It's completely behind the scenes. Um, I listened to all of the major news stations this morning. I looked at all of the major uh, news websites, um, you know, our, our, our local rag here, the Newcastle Herald and so forth. There is no mention of this. It's just, it's just silence, which is scary. Stone cold silence. And whenever they did mention it, like they did mention it once or twice as a minor subject yesterday, like, oh, yes, there's this new legislation about uh, um, stopping schools from um, expelling gay students. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, that's good, and move on. Not realizing that what they're actually pushing for was in the fine print. Is it will, will affect what is taught in schools, what is taught in churches, um, what a a pastor preaches in from the pulpit, um, what passages of the Bible are read, what passages of the Bible are published and displayed. Uh, many of those things could suddenly become illegal today, and uh, if we do get a reprieve. Um, the you know the, the the government the coalition has um, put in place certain um, exemptions that will allow you know schools and churches to continue operating to continue to teach their distinctive faith. Um, if we do get a reprieve, what we need to learn from this, the big lesson we need to learn from this is to be aware and to be on our guard. And when the Bible says that religious liberty will be stripped away from our Western countries, that the Bible is not indulging in conspiracy theory, that the Bible is indulging is, is speaking fact, we need to be aware of it and we need to be ready to react. We need to have campaigns in place ready to react whenever something like this takes place. Absolutely. It's and, of course, the massive lesson right here is this has all stemmed from last year's uh, same-sex marriage debate. You know, so, much, so many Christians, you know, did not see the religious liberty aspect of what was actually taking place there and were like, yeah, it's all about love and just voted it through without even considering the slippery slope that we were suddenly standing on. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and some of us stood up and said, this is a very slippery slope. And now we are sliding yeah, down that slope. We absolutely are. We absolutely are. Anyway, back to Corinth. We need to find a solution for Corinth, mm-hmm. Mon. Yeah. This church is in a mess. It is a disaster zone. Uh, where, where are we going to find the solution for uh, this particular uh, church? Let's go to... Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Let's start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3... Verse 5. Yeah, start there and uh, uh, we'll just read on down through for a bit. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants, the one who waters, work together with the same purpose, for, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. We'll just we'll just jump in right there. You've got people saying, you know, I'm a follower of, of Paul. I'm a Paulite. You've got um, people who are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. I'm an Apollosite. You've got people who are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a I'm a Jesusite or a Christian. You've got somebody who's saying, you know, I'm a follower of this person, that person, or the other person. Do we still have that kind of thing happening in our churches today? Uh, I think we sort of have like celebrity speakers, but we do. Yeah, well, I'm not sure you'd really say you're a follower of them the way you follow Jesus, really. 
but we still have that same problem. And I can tell yeah. you that right now, you know, and I've even been in discussions where, you know, in good humour, um, you know, it's like, yes, this person's a Darrenite or this person's a Lyolite or whatever it might be mm-hmm. because, you know, we have a disagreement on a particular issue and uh, some people agree with uh, with me or somebody else or whatever it might be. And uh, um, we, we can say those kind of statements in good humour, but it's not healthy. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ, and this is what Paul is pointing us to. Absolutely. Take your focus off each other. Amen. Place your focus on Jesus Christ. Become like Jesus Christ. And that's what will bring unity. As we all try and become more and more and more like Jesus Christ, as we try to be true to Jesus Christ, as we try not to be true to self but to be true to Jesus Christ, we will be drawn together. You can't help but be drawn together. And right through the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul has various solutions that he gives. And this is the greatest of them. Focus your attention on Jesus Christ. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing, my heart is still aching He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me Something is missing, my heart is still aching She said I
food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is. And it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe, long term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Guys, you're listening to Andrew Peterson. Is he worthy? Here on Faith FM, and we have come to our question of the day. What do we oh, have? Oh, before that, I think we need to announce the uh, the winner of today's uh, quiz. Oh yes, prize. An obscure yes. one today. Well it done, was rather. So Jackie from Abbotsbury has got it correct. The answer, of course, was Abner. Abner, Abner, and uh, Jackie, congratulations. You have won yourself a copy of A Defense of the Bible, a really huge book. I'm not going to lie. It's going to cost a bit to post this to you, Jackie. <laughs> but, well done. Uh, you're going to definitely enjoy this copy. Lyle, our question of the day is a pretty interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Corpus Christi mean? What is Corpus Christi? You see this on schools, yes. on cities, like on locations and buildings as a, a name, a Corpus Christi church. I know that I, I, one of my jobs where I work as a carer, I drive past the Corpus Christi School and the Corpus Christi Church. So what is that all about? Okay, so what is Corpus Christi? Very easy answer. It is a town in Texas, uh, population 286,000 people, thereabouts, um, on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm a clear bluff, Lyle, because that's not the only place called Corpus Christi. <laughs> there are many towns called Corpus Christi. This is clearly a you, thing. You asked, what is Corpus Christi? I gave you the answer. There it is. It's a town in Texas. It's not just a town in Texas. There's multiple Corpus Christi towns around the world. So there's something in the water somewhere. <laughs> Okay, so Corpus Christi is a word that is is a, is a Latin phrase made up of two words, obviously Christ and corpse. Ew. Okay. The corpse of Christ. And it relates to the teaching of transubstantiation. Now, there's a big word for you. Um, and just to break that down, trans, change of, so trans, change of, substance. So mm-hmm. transubstantiation, change of substance. And so in the Roman Catholic tradition, um, what you've got is, or what, what they believe um, and what they've created through their tradition is that when they take the wafer that is the symbol of the body of Christ, the priest will hold that and say certain words over it. And when he sends those, says those certain word, words over the wafer, the wafer is turned into a portion of the corpse of Jesus Christ. So the priest is actually creating Jesus within the wafer. He becomes the creator of his creator. And those are not my words. Those are the words of the Roman Catholic Church itself. They actually claim the power to be able to create their creator in the sacrament. And so this is not, this is, when a Roman Catholic takes the sacrament, the sacrament is not just a piece of bread that is symbolic of the body of Christ. It is literally the body of Christ. Now, of course, this predates Catholicism because this, you know, goes back to, um, you know, the, the worship of Mithra, which existed, you know, was a major religion um, around the Mediterranean in the first, second, third, fourth centuries. 
um, in which they would, you know, they would eat. The, it was come goes back to the concept of eating the god. So the only way that you can get the power of god into yourself is if you actually eat the god and you physically take the god into yourself. And so, you know, this is why the wafer within that uh, within the Roman Catholic tradition is always a round wafer. It's a circle uh, because. If you go back to the origins of it, it was a circle in the shape of the sun, and they were eating the power of the sun, the most powerful of all of go- all of the gods, into them, into themselves, and it would then become a part of their physical body. And of course, that was then uh, Christianized, so to speak, and became a part of uh, the tradition of the Catholic Church. And so, yes, once a year they have a very special ceremony, which is the uh, the, the, the feast of Cor- Corpus Christi, which is a a time where they. Uh, celebrate the fact that they can take the uh, body of Christ, they can actually create the body of Christ and then eat it. It's a little bit different in Lutherism. They have what they don't have transubstantiation, they have consubstantiation, where they still believe it is the literal body of Christ, but rather than being changed by the words of the priest, it's changed by the faith of the believer. So if you have faith, it's the body of Christ. If you don't have faith, it's just a piece of bread. Um, and then your other Protestant traditions are like, no, this is not the body of Christ in any way, shape, or form. Jesus says, my flesh, is, my flesh, my literal body profits nothing. Um, and so your Protestant churches, your evangelical churches will say, this is a symbol of the body of Christ. We eat it on a regular basis to remind us of who Jesus was and what Jesus did. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text your questions to 0491-064-669. We will answer those live on air for question of the day. But for now, this is Carly Fletcher with Nothing in the World. There is nothing in this world that can truly satisfy me like Jesus, Jesus' love, for His love is truly deeper. Nothing in this world that can 
listening to Carly Fletcher, Nothing in This World, here on Faith FM. And it was, uh, yeah, nice to have Carly's husband texting through. Mm. Super, super happy to have his wife on the radio. We play Carly. Of course, uh, he's a fan. (laughs) Can't blame him. He married her. Can't blame him at all. Lyle, it is time for our giveaway at the end of the show. So time to close off the breakfast show and give away a freebie. We love giving away free stuff. Today's gift is a real good one. Uh, totally ties into, um, I guess what is happening today. Um, you know, the big, absolutely. The this big is, this issue. is, this is the book, the Antichrist ad- uh, 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 agenda. agenda. Ten Commandments uh, twice removed by Danny Shelton and Shirley Quinn. Yep. Shirley Quinn. Um, and this directly relates to what is taking place in Parliament House, in Canberra, today. at 12.35, yep. today. Yeah. So people people might be accusing... Um, we know, did mention that what was taking place today, you know, this is mentioned in Bible prophecy. You want to know where and, where and how it's mentioned in Bible prophecy. You need to call in right now and you need to get this book. That's it. That's it. If you wanted to know more about what we're referring to there, um, how this all ties into what the Bible has taught about the uh, event end-time events, you know, how, how the Ten Commandments play in the Antichrist agenda, this is the book that you definitely want to get a hold of. So give us a call. Be the first person to call us now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. We'll send you a copy completely free of charge, The Antichrist Agenda, Ten Commandments Twice Removed by Danny Shelton and Shelley Quinn. And of course, you can text us on 0491-064-669. And don't forget, if you would like to know more about the Bible, we have a multitude of different ways that you can learn more about the Bible. We have various different courses that are available. We have various different Bible studies that are available. These are all free. Uh, small groups and one-on-one Bible studies, Bible workers that we can hook you up with. Um, you can even get Lyle's, Lyle's course yes, that he wrote, the Prophetic, prophetic code. code. So really good one. Uh, we have other studies that uh, deal with you know how to pray. We have another series on archaeology. We have a a series that excellent series that deals with health. We've got a new one that's coming out on mental health and so forth. It's in different subjects that are covered right there. But stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow morning after the seven o'clock news.